This is Cher. Thank you for joining me this week as we unlock, unlearn, unleash, and unbind the shame of feelings surrounding sexual abuse and domestic violence. I've been through a lot of changes since beginning my journey to release my past. This last week, I moved just under 900 miles to the southwest, to Texas to be exact. And that was a huge life change. Well, right now, while I know and feel that I am different, I've set my boundaries and what my intentions are for dating, I have been afraid to put myself out there at all on an app, online, or in person. So the next few episodes, I'd like to explore our fear of change and different perspectives that surround entering the dating scene after trauma. My friend and collaborator, Christine Federchenko, she's with me tonight. She's also my best friend. I've asked her to speak about her experience in building relationships after trauma. She's a single parent of three, a fitness trainer, and has been a strong supporter of hundreds of others in their journeys. We'll get started right after this message from our sponsor. Christine, welcome, 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 and thank you for joining me tonight. I am so excited for you to be here and to share your experience with me and with all the others. So I have a question for you. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here it is. Would you like to share a little bit about your story with me? Sure, I would love to. And first, I would like to thank you for the opportunity to be able to share um, a bit about my story as well as the opportunity to share in this space with you. I am honored to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so let's tear it up. Okay, so I am the oldest of three and my childhood was filled with horrific domestic violence since as early as I could remember with my earliest memory beginning at three. My dad was never home. He ran around on my mom all the time and was a workaholic. Mm. He worked to maintain an image, which I believe was his escape that we merely upheld on the outside, but no one knew what truly took place behind closed doors, which was the utmost extreme of violence. Violence being a reality that took me years to embrace out of denial because the images of blood-stained walls, the house being demolished out of anger and rage, flashes of everything being thrown and barely missing my brothers and I at times, moments of my mother gasping for air have never left my mind and I've just recently, in the past two years, been able to return to these memories, embrace them in their fullness, and allow them to pass through. My mother raised us deep, deep in the church almost as if that was her escape from our reality. 
This only served for myself, as I can only speak for me, as an extremely twisted upbringing. In short, the things that I witnessed from my parents, but mainly my mother as she was the closest to a decent role model to follow out of the examples I had, was basically, do as I say, not as I do. I never honestly knew left from right and up from down for quite some time. I was sexually abused by a family member at the age of seven. This was the first interaction that I internalized as some form of affection, of being wanted in any way, merely touched and desired as I badly craved as a child. Although I knew something, rather absolutely everything, about what took place was entirely wrong, for the first time I had actually felt wanted. Like someone desired for me to be near and wasn't beating me in efforts to take out their anger. This set me on a path of seeking attention and care and the, de- and the feeling of being desired in an unhealthy physical manner. This attention lasted for a couple of years and then turned to anger per usual based off of what I was used to as I became older and wasn't entertaining it as much. I became sexually active on my own terms between the ages of 13 and 15. When I was 12, my mother had an affair with a PE teacher at my school. He was closer to my age than he was to hers. And when we went out anywhere in public, people thought we were a couple. I guess they thought my brothers were our kids, and he would always laugh when people would make comments as if he was accepting of the idea. The entirety of the situation was extremely uncomfortable and strange to me. At home, he was extremely angry with me and would leave me home alone to stay locked in my room for for hours. We had switched schools and moved cities at the time of the affair, which also led to my parents' divorce. We moved to Katy to go to another private school in attempts to continue to uphold the facade of the picture-perfect picket-fence life, although that was blatantly not reality. He was also a womanizing, violent man like my father. My stepdad took up a job as a teacher at my school, which shattered my safe place for an escape, my retreat having been school. He began having relations with some students while being physically violent with others, all females, and my friends. This was beyond embarrassing as my home life was bleeding front and center for all in the most excruciating, publicly shaming of ways. My stepdad wound up being arrested at my school in front of everyone due to a domestically violent situation that took place at home, leaving my mother entirely unrecognizable. Shortly after that, I took a chance and attempted to live with my father. I organized the escape of my home to take place during the day told my brothers the night before that I would not be returning the next day and I didn't want them to be blindsided. This day is one of the many etched in my minds as I felt responsible for abandoning them in a horrible setting. That was never my intent, which I explained, as well as explained further that there was much they were not aware of and did not need to be and this was for the best. Life at home was extremely different for me than it was for them. My time at my father's was extremely short-lived as a couple weeks later My stepmom had me kicked out, dropped off in my mother's front yard in the middle of the night, and had my father verbally disown me and choose her. I began working as soon as I could legally, with plans to set out on my own as soon as possible. My goal was to complete school so I hopefully had some chance at a future for myself and could leave ASAP in efforts to find peace. My mother married again and left to California with my brothers for a man when I was 18. Another one similar to the rest, all while my father was serving a stint in jail, later to be diagnosed with dementia upon release and passed four years later. I actually took care of him his last few years until he passed 
and there was much emotional trauma and processing that took me 10 years to be exact to release. Backing up real quick, I'm 18 now. I met the person who had become the father of my children and ex-husband. I had a miscarriage with him and cut every tie immediately upon being approached by his girlfriend that I knew nothing of. Two years later, against my better judgment, I chose to reconcile with him, convincing myself if nothing more I could work towards closure and healing from the past and move forward somehow. It was a twisted way of thinking, but it's where I was at at that point. This marriage turned out to become one full of domestic violence and sexual abuse, which was my comfort zone, mm -hmm. unfortunately. It took me years to finally break free. The triggering moment was a violent occurrence that took place shortly after the birth of my twins that left me with a harsh reality to face that I was now truly and undeniably in my mother's shoes. I was now responsible, if not for myself but my children, as to whether I would repeat the same cycles I had known since birth, now affecting three lives of my own. I left that marriage and entered into a relationship turned marriage with a woman. This relationship lasted six years and has since been dissolved. And that's where I'm at right now. Wow. First off. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so deeply the sexual abuse of, during your childhood, the domestic violence that you went through, that your mother went through. Um, as you know, I can relate to that heavily. Mm. However, I, I do need to note that that is the first time you have shared so openly about the sexual abuse as a child. Yes. That took a lot of courage to it unlock did. that, to unleash that, and I more than honor that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It, it helps others to know that obviously that they're not alone. We know we're not, but when we hear others talk about it, then it reduces the impact and the sting of it. So, thank you. But I have another question for you. What do you attribute your awareness to that the sexual abuse was wrong? Because in our situations, um, I was conditioned from as far back as I can remember, probably even before my first memory of sexual abuse so for me it was my um, I, I was conditioned into it um, what brought you to the awareness that what was happening to you wasn't the right thing to do well first I will say that there wasn't affection in my family so that natural desire to that we crave to want to be hugged or touched which there's nothing wrong with that that's just a part of us when that's not there we know that um, at the time that my occurrence first took place was when I was seven so I was old enough to be aware of the things you're not supposed to do right with other people you know, right. it's just not appropriate. My mom never really spoke about sex because she was one of those, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But I knew there were places you're not supposed to touch. You're not supposed to touch your private areas. You're not supposed to touch somebody else's private areas, things like that. So at the age that it took place, I so badly craved touch, but the touch was happening in the exact areas that I had been 
harshly guarded on that you don't touch that. Right. So when that took place, that alone alerted me that this was not supposed to take place. As well as what was happening with my body, feeling my body freeze, where I literally couldn't move. I couldn't stop what was going on. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like, just that feeling of how your body reacts mm-hmm. and really experiencing that freeze situation, um, I knew that it was just bad. This was what was not supposed to take place. But why was I oddly okay with it? I wasn't, but I was. Mm-hmm. I wasn't because it was wrong, but I was because somebody was showing me attention. Somebody in some way was telling me, I want you. No matter what way they were communicating it, at least somebody was. Yeah, bonding. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's an unhealthy bond. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you approach change? <clears throat> Wait, hold on. Let me back this up. I've got another question for you. Okay. You also spoke about having the strength to continue on and take care of your future and look after your future. Where did that idea come from? Did, was it survival? Was it... I, I just find it foreign to me. That's why. That's why I'm asking. Because to me, I didn't think about my future. I only thought of whatever, you know, making sure that I woke up the next day. That was my future. Well, I find it interesting that you use the term survival right now because in hindsight, looking at what I was growing up in, which was clearly a repeat of certain situations that my mother had been in before. Mm. Natural, she was already kind of filling the environment that I was in with survival ways. Yes. So I was naturally adapting to ways of survival without realizing it at such a young age, I, I feel like that's what triggered a lot of my awareness. Adaption to my environment. That and, makes sense. And, and gleaning those tools, the mm-hmm. only tools that I had been shown, which were survival skills. Mm-hmm. But my eye-opening moment when I realized that I needed to make something happen for myself or else nothing was going to happen is when I had a conversation with my mother while doing homework one night and the theme going around school was everybody getting ready for what colleges they were going to look at and and this and that and the other and I went to a private school which honestly I didn't necessarily belong in the setting that I was at. I was very aware that I was in this setting because it upheld the, the picture that was desired Mm -hmm. for everybody to believe my family looked like and lived out. But back at home, I knew I didn't belong there. We didn't have the finances. We weren't the people that everybody thought we were. It It was a very uncomfortable lifestyle to begin with. However, when the theme was going around about college, I asked my mom just to find out for myself. You know, well, I don't really remember how I posed the question to her, but I very gravely remember the answer and the answer was if you want a future if you want to be successful in your future at all you only have yourself to depend on because I cannot help you damn yes that's what I thought (laughs) (laughs) I remember sitting at that table in the middle of doing my homework and I thought damn 
here's your parent that you're supposed to be able to come to, you know. Yeah. I see all these kids all around me that have these security blanket parents that they they make a mistake, they fall down, they can get right back up, somebody's going to pick them up. And here I'm asking my mother what options of a future I have with good intent because I would like to maybe go to college if I could or whatever, you know, the case was. And she tells me, if you want to make anything happen for yourself, you have to do it because I cannot help you. I have nothing for you. Wow. And at that point is when I really looked around me and I thought, I don't have this room for error. I don't have the time to go skip class or go party or do this or do that. Because if I don't graduate, I'm the one that won't have a future later. And I'm the only one to blame. Because she clearly just told me, you're shit out of luck. You are on your own. See, you were already in survival mode. Yes, you're right. Okay. That's exactly what that was. Do you think any of your past, any of that moment, that specific moment where that awareness was that you had to take care of you, do you think that played into you becoming um, very interested as, as passionate as you are about fitness? I'm going to break off of that before I answer that real quick because I'm going to say that is honestly why I'm as passionate at anything that I set out to do. Um, Because I really had such a huge eye-opener at that time and I knew where I came from and I watched my whole life play out in front of me all the time. Yeah. Knowing bits and pieces of where my mother came from and already being aware that history was repeating itself. So I didn't want to be like that forever. You know, I feel like anybody in these situations, we always know we don't want to be in this life forever. Exactly. You know, nobody wants to get beat up all the time. Nobody wants to almost die Mm -hmm. all the time nobody Mm -hmm. siblings don't want to always have to shield each other all the time so I I felt I found myself in a lot of situations I'll take the memories I don't want you to have them if I see them you won't have what I have to deal with later you know and as the oldest I did that a lot so they wouldn't have to see certain things but then that kind of stays with you like there's got to be a change somehow that's what I was just going to ask you how did all that prepare you for change? Any change, like even now, even now as you're moving forward into different relationships, different job, you know, you're you're starting to expand your social circle and then at the same time, you know, pulling your inner circle. Well, there's that phrase that says you can't expect different results by doing the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And as cliche as all these cliches are, they're cliche for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> True. They're these simple few words, proverbs, with such deep wisdom in like three or four words or however many words to make this small little phrase. But if it's actually applied, it's life changing. So if you sit there and watch the same things over and over and over and over again, it's inevitable that if you do the same things, you're going to get the same things over and over and over again. Now, common sense might say if you change it, you'll get a different result, but it's not as easy to change it. Mm. You know, because you're used to it. It's your normalcy. Yes. And Um, it's comfortable. Yes. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's comfortable because it's familiar. Yes. And on that note, 
when we talk about some other things later about the being uncomfortable but comfortable I'd like to discuss that when trying to get back in there <laughs> because it's As like I you have to, my right? face. because it's like you have to play the reverse game on your own mind okay literally <laughs> because you're so used to going this one way which is not necessarily the best way but in order to redirect it is by going the opposite way and when you're trying to get back in there and you're trying to go the opposite way it does not feel comfortable because it's foreign yes yeah and you're coming into a new realm we're actually a familiar realm dating you know relationships but with a different set of tools and new eyes mm -hmm. and if you're on the healthy path you're not going to have the chaos and it, it takes a lot to be get used to no chaos as twisted as it sounds i can't imagine a relationship without chaos I, I know that it's possible <laughs> i've seen it i right. am just myself i'm terrified to test it's kind it. of weird I'm just gonna say, but it's like the like a good weird. Good weird is good. Yes, good weird is good. All right, Christina, hold on to that thought for a moment. Okay, and we'll be right back after this message. Okay. Okay. Welcome back. Uh, we are visiting with Christina Fredichenko. She's my soul sister, best friend, now new neighbor. Um, I, we're both, that's a whole nother long story, how we connected. <laughs> we did connect uh, through the through a, um, an online program called The Gauntlet and Miles Scott. Um, shout out to Miles, hope you're doing well. Um, okay, let's go back to some questions here. I want to talk about how... How did you approach the new changes after all of that trauma, after your, your divorce, after, you know, changing jobs, um, you've moved, what other major changes, I mean, that we could list that are an arm long, I think, but how did you approach accepting change? How did I approach accepting change? Well, my intent was to change so why because I was tired of living the same way okay that it had run its course okay. I was good with it <laughs> like okay. we can move on now you were full <laughs> yes okay I was full and I wanted change and interesting that change is scary you know like the good change, when you want that, it just seems so scary. But when you realize that a life of abuse in all different forms is scary in itself, that you're living in fear constantly, it makes you want to jump in, kind of. It's like you're at the end, like, I'll do anything. I will do anything to have a change. I don't want this anymore. So just the excitement of a change excited me enough to want to accept the change. Okay. I guess. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. I, I get that. Okay. <laughs> okay. What is one thing that you would like your listeners, the listeners, to take away from your story, your message today? 
Well, one thing that we didn't get into too much yet that I'm sure that we can open up to right now. Sure. Is going from trauma into new opportunities of change, whether it's in a relationship or job or everything that we just discussed. Um, allowing yourself the time in between. Mm-hmm. When you come out of a lifestyle of abuse, of trauma, there's a lot, a lot of pain that hasn't necessarily passed through and been released. And it's only going to if you allow for that space to unpack, as you've mentioned before. And unless we unpack, we will continue to carry that baggage, if you will, with us into everything. No matter how we try to convince ourselves that it's not there or we don't feel it anymore, so we're good. Exactly. But that's not true. (laughs) Until you really, truly take yourself back to those originating moments that everything has basically spiraled off of throughout Mm -hmm. your life, until you really give yourself the time, the space in between getting under someone else, you know, to distract you from having to face anything or distract you from having to process the last pain, all these pains will inevitably pile up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And what goes up must come down. Yep. So unless you allow yourself that space in between for everything to come down and for it to settle and you to have the opportunity to sit with it and process it and allow it to pass through then you're just going to keep as they say bleeding into all other areas of your life not just relationships it's going to affect you at work in your friendships Mm -hmm. in in any encounters that you experience because you will not have removed those lenses yet you'll still look through everything from a jaded point of view exactly and it will simply be a compilation of all the things you've experienced. Yeah. So nobody would even have a chance of being viewed as like the authentic human as they may be in front of you. Because mm-hmm. you will see their face and everything else. And that's it. So you're doing yourself a disservice by not allowing yourself that time and space in between to process and to honor all the experiences that you have been through and allow them the opportunity to be embraced as they are and to move on past them. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much for sharing today, for being so courageous, putting yourself out there like this. Um, I hope I get to uh, spend time with you again and have you back on another episode I would love that okay this has been quite healing I think for both of us Um, I learned some more new insightful things about my my best friend and uh, dear soul sister today and hopefully um, as we continue our journeys we'll continue to learn more more about each other so we'll be right back Dating after trauma, any trauma, 
such as a breakup, sexual assault, or domestic violence does not need to be an idea that is banished forever into an abyss. You aren't the same person as you were then, and neither is the dating scene. There's new ideas, new rules and methods, and they're so abundant and way too confusing. It's worthwhile to know how to navigate the scene successfully and with fun when you keep in mind a few simple guidelines. First, unpack the bags. Empty them out. Do the inner work. Like Christine had mentioned, give yourself time in between then and now or whenever you decide to pursue a new healthy relationship. Take time to know who you are. Set your boundaries and silence that silly inner critic before you look into dating. Second, explore and learn your love language. Know what makes you smile and how you express your appreciation for others. And if you have done the inner work and you are ready to move on, ask yourself what worked before in that relationship and what didn't. Ask what are you looking for? What will you bring to the relationship that you are seeking? Also, remember, you are not going to be everyone's match. There will be times that you find that you doubt if you're ever going to find a friendly companion or a long-term relationship. But guess what? There's somebody out there wondering the same thing about you. Be good to yourself. Take yourself out to a few places. Get to know events, your community. Get involved locally. Treat yourself as you would if you were on a date. Basically, date yourself for a while. Finally, fear is your worst enemy. You have been through the hardest part. Now is the fun side of all the inner work. Enjoy every outing find the positives, and most of all, enjoy yourself. I invite you, please join me next week with another special guest, love and life strategist, Marcus Cade Jr., as we continue this topic of dating after trauma. Thank you for listening in to me. Share. Until next week, grow with love every day in every way. I'll see you on the other side.